I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton, JMS, whatever you want to fucking call me. Here's the thing. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host. I'm a stand-up comedian when the world is normal. If you live in a normal part of the world and you want me to come there, hit me up. I would love to come perform for you. If you live in a weird quarantine place like California, do I have a huge yard or a garage or something? I would love to come perform there too. But in the meantime, this podcast is all I have to keep me sane. Well, this and my other podcast, Two Filthy Nerds, which if you're into nerd culture specifically right now, Harry Potter, because that's the season we're on, check that out. That's neither here nor there. I don't know a fucking thing. That is here and there. That's why we're here. If you're new, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for giving me a shot. Please hit that subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people find the podcast so they can get answers to their ignorant questions. I like reading your reviews. They make me feel happy. Happy. Uh, and I'll I'll share them on my Instagram story. So that's kind of fun. Does anyone care? I don't I don't think anyone does. I genuinely I don't know. On that note, if you would like to support me further, I do have a Patreon. Shout out to my best idiots forever over there, Gene and Kathy, top tier level patrons that I shout out every episode. You can be a top tier patron or for as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus content and you can get uh, the rest of this episode and any episode over an hour. So you want to find out what authors inspired my guest Drew Flynn and answers to other questions? One dollar. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed head over there and thank you to everyone who is already over there and I've already mentioned his name but let's just get to it my guest this week is Drew Flynn he's an author he has self-published a lot of cool stories some satires some other shit and we talk about all of it that's why I just said some other shit it's not shit but I don't want to give anything away because you have the whole interview here and I don't want you to be like she already fucking said this in the intro because I'm trying to get better at that and clearly, instead of doing that, I'm rambling on about nothing. So it was cool. We had a cool conversation. He's a nice guy. It's a good listen for anyone who's thinking about getting into writing, uh, maybe interested in the self-publishing route if you already have something you writ- you've written. Excuse me. Yeah, just a cool chat with a fun dude, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. Before we start... Really quickly, this podcast is brought to you by NeuroGum. You can go to getneuro.com and use the code JMS for 10% off your first order of NeuroGum. It's caffeinated gum with B vitamins and L-theanine, so it gives you focused energy. I love it. I love it so much. It's the only reason I'm getting anything done. If there's weeks where you feel like I've fallen off the rails, it's because I quit chewing my NeuroGum. A thousand percent. Highly recommend it. I've had people try it using my code, reaching out and saying... They loved it. Let me know what you think. If you have tried it, get over there. Try it. You have nothing to lose except time, which is slipping away from all of us and yet somehow seems so fucking endless. Uh, So you can make the best of your time by having focused energy, like the energy you get from Neurogum. Get Neuro.com. 
All right, I'm shutting the fuck up and letting you get to this episode. Please enjoy my guest, Drew Flynn. Hey, idiots. It's me. I'm back. I am on a Zoom with Drew Flynn, uh, author, cool, cool fucking dude from the Twitter sphere. How are you, dude? You know, Jess, I'm very good. Um, what are we in f- month number five of this nonsense? I mean, God, it seems like year 47. It's truly an eternity at this point. I was 37 <laughs> last year, and now I'm 97 this year. So however that works in math, I don't know. Oh, uh, my God. Thanks <laughs> for having me on, dude. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. I relate to that so much because I literally have a birthday coming up and was like, oh, I'm turning 10,000 years old is what's what's going on um it's great to have you so i just want to talk to you about self-publishing books because you've got like a bunch of stories out right yeah well i've been doing this for this is like eighth year i've actually been putting up books and and stories online and stuff so yeah um it's not easy there's rejection but uh (laughs) Um, you're you're in a creative field too so i think you kind of know what rejection's like oh yeah Oh yeah, I'm, I regularly face rejection, uh, and sometimes it's immediate with stand-up comedy. With the new joke, you just have to like try it out and go. Oh, everyone hates that one. Okay, great, good. That I'll make a note. <laughs> and the improv is actually kind of worse too because then you're all on the stage and you're all not getting a laugh. Oh God, when everyone's bombing, and I always said like at least with improv, I can lie and tell myself it's not just me. And if my thing goes flat, it's like oh, it's. The group dynamic, it's not the way I tried to take that. Yeah, but then you get off the stage and everyone is like, well, you stunk it up and that was your fault. And that's when you realize that your team is not that good to begin with. Yeah, they're like, well, you stunk up the troop and you got to (laughs) go. I mean, boy, have I done some improv. Are you do do improv as well? Used to. um, Back in like 2013, 2014. That's where I used to live. Um, oh, awesome. It was a good time, but it was it was definitely time for change at that point. So I moved up here to Portland shortly thereafter, and it's been great ever since, honestly. Oh, man. Okay, so you're in Portland. <laughs> I am. Good God. I mean... Portland. How's that? Are you, like, downtown? Are you in the thick of it, or what? I'm a few miles away from it, um, safely okay. in, a, uh, in a suburb, and yes, that is part of privilege, so I get it. Um, but let me tell you, it's, what are we on night 53, night 54 consecutive of all these goddamn protests. So, um, it's like you're far away, but you're not that far away. I know it's like right around the corner. It's scary stuff happening, man. And then we have some badgeless morons from the federal government taking people and kidnapping them for an hour or two. That's fun also. Yeah. And it's just, I know. And then as a creative, I'm experiencing this and I'm sure you are as well as like, I guess I'll just try to write something down. Like, I'll, like with me, it's like, I'll try to be funny, I guess. Oh, it's so bleak. Um, you have to do it dispassionately because then you can wake up in the morning and realize that, oh, okay, I'm still in mostly one piece. So um, <clears throat> I think early morning's a good time to, to do creative writing and then it starts getting hot outside and Things go south quickly. Yeah, is that is that kind of your process? Do you wake up and try to just get the wheels turning early in the morning? Yeah, I mean it's not every day because who can do that every day? Liars. By the time you're forty, exactly. <laughs> um, no, few days a week. 
Um, my mantra is 1,500 words a day. So the days that I am actually working and starting at a blank page for hours on end, I try to fill a few of those up, and that generally works. But, um, yeah, after 10 a.m., forget it. You're done. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? I can get so much more done. I hate – I don't want to wake up early. Like, I, I want to just uh, sleep in. But I am yeah. immensely more productive. It's like – it's almost like the world hasn't woken up, so there's a stillness that you don't get once the day yeah. kind of gets rolling. And where is your creative mindset besides in the, in the realm of stillness? And that's where you can kind of, it's kind of like the lawnmower man. You ever seen that movie? No, the lawnmower man? What is, I don't even know what that is. So it's a movie from like 1992. Okay. And basically, lawnmower man's in his virtual space, right? And you have to transmogrify that into, that's not a word. You have to pretend you're in that <laughs> and you're grasping out at these little tiny straws, these little, uh, if you want to call them word balloons inside the cloud or I'm just very familiar with grasping at straws. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and that's, that's where to do it. But then if it's lunchtime and you're a little bit logy on caffeine, you, you lose the best of it. And then uh, pick up around midnight again and you're like, well, now I can't sleep. And thanks a lot of that God. Right. Isn't that crazy that that, that must just be universal. I'm the exact same where I got a few good hours in the morning if I get my ass up and actually kick into gear. And, then, and then it feels like, oh, I'm done for the day. And then, yeah, evening, it all strikes. And you're like, I, I've got ideas. <laughs> like a mad person. You're like, it was I like should, five years. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say we should. I mean, at this point, I should just sleep during the day. <laughs> well, that's the thing about like a mid midday nap is that you know they're they're really great and salubrious if they can work for you, but they don't work for everybody. They work for like ten percent of people um, because it messes up the circadian rhythms. Otherwise, uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's four o'clock and you're angry at everything. Oh yeah, God, and that's I am all too familiar with that for just being pissed off at the world because I thought I could power nap and I'm powerless. <laughs> yeah, and that's about when the president gets on TV and starts talking about, well, we have all seen that, so we're not going to go there. Yeah, right? you're right. You're like, we, we probably should. But you no, wake up from your angry nap to be like, oh, at least there's still no hope. This is great. <laughs> What's, here's another thousand people that died yesterday. That's fan God. You're like, <laughs> I'll just keep drinking my cold coffee from this morning. <laughs> No, but see, if you don't test, then you wouldn't have any cases. So that's that logic. So yeah, it's like uh, he's a genius. Why does nobody see it? Ah, <laughs> uh, how? When did you? Just true, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's a, no, it's okay. Um, it's so hard with Zoom. There's no vision. You know, like there's not that you know, conversational cue. There's not all these little uh, personal. You can see someone's eyeball tick and the lip and what. Um, yeah, I think we're on about a two-second delay, so I am sorry about that. I'm uh, sorry. I was having trouble earlier, too. It, it hasn't been a problem, but today it seems to be that it, my internet allegedly is fine, but this is not this is not the first conversation that, that has been an issue, so I apologize because that may be something. You're in L.A., right? I am in L.A. Which part of L.A. is it like? West L.A. near, near something, or is East L.A. Um, near I'm in <laughs> almost like center L.A. I'm like right in Hollywood. Uh, okay. just right in the thick of uh, homelessness and closed down. <laughs> so it's yeah. sad. But, you, but if you could, <laughs> if you were motivated, you could like 
get in your car or walk a few miles and you'd be in Santa Monica, right? And then you'd I be mean, to the beach. Yeah, it's not, it's a little bit of a drive. If I was feeling wild, I could walk it. Uh, if I wanted to get in some good steps. But yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. It's, yeah, maybe 15 minutes if there's no traffic. Which Here's the thing about Sense Mart. Isn't it crazy how much more that everyone's counting their steps? More so since it all began? I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it, it, that must just be a reflection of one of two things, uh, boredom and people just need something to like occupy their brain or yeah. uh, maybe it's like a, almost like a clinging to sanity of like, I have found when I'm paying more attention to my steps as I'm stepping them, not that I'm going around, I mean, I have like a Fitbit, I'm not going around physically like counting my steps, but it helps me stay present. But yeah, I think it's a lot of people just going, well, I exhausted all of my other things I tried to do to fill up time. I guess I'll try to care about my health. <laughs> well, exactly. And it, like, it was a few years ago where steps were like a very big thing and they even made fun of it on shows like Veep. Um, and then it was just all about navel gear. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I firmly miss stand-up comedy. Um, Let me tell you something. Up here in Portland, too, I was like, there are no shows because there's no, no places open, but you, you immediately miss that community. Yeah. It's... You don't realize... I, I mean, I guess I didn't... I realized it, but I didn't think about how much my social life was tied to what I do, and then... Oh. You've been in it for many, many years. Going yeah, on. it's like this. July was my like this is my you know tenth year since I started. Oh, wow. LA, which you know obviously. Congratulations. Thank you. It seems weird because I thought it would be yeah. a little more climactic than Jesus. it obviously has been. But uh, <laughs> no, it's literally the doorbell keeps going off because one Amazon person couldn't figure out how to operate the door. I think that's Okay. One second, and I promise, I hope it's awesome. <laughs> and in just the greatest irony of the dogs not being able to stop barking at a door, it's a package from Chewy, so. Oh, I love Chewy! Yeah, they're like, of course they're losing their mind. They're like, let, let the package in! There's, there's treats in there! <laughs> Uh, what is life without interruptions? I mean, death. It's probably is what. It oh, that's that's exactly. Yeah. You're in this casket, or you've been burned up. I know, right? Ah, I'm so sorry about that. Although maybe, maybe death will come soon for us too. Who knows? I mean, I wake up every morning and I'm like, no, not this again. So hopefully. <laughs> you oxygen? Why? <laughs> it's like, why must I keep being a healthy living human? Uh, shoot. Well, let, well, um, I'm all over the place. We, Let's jump into... Yeah, we, can, we were jumping all over the place, so no, no sweat. Yeah, we were. I want to talk about how you got into writing. Like, how... I mean, you've been doing it for a, a long time, but was it a thing, like, as a kid, you always... Yeah. Were you always a writer? No, well, not always, but I, I jumped into it when I was about 25, so about 13, 14 years ago. Um, I had just come off of a, of a what's this called, a bender part of life where I had a gambling problem for a few years. Ah, uh, it's hard. So, so it's like, how to better channel energy into people who are not going to be um, completely destructive. 
Um, so I started writing, and I took a few screenwriting classes in Arizona, um, wrote a few screenplays, didn't do that well, got shoved out of a couple of partnerships, let's just call them. Oh, no. That's, that's so hard. But, you know, experience, so it's like, it's like Seinfeld said on his uh, documentary, like, about 20 years ago, and not the Bill Cosby part, but he said, it's like when you're, when you're starting out in something, how old you are in the career. So when you've done something for 10 years, you're 10 years old. When you've done something for 21, you're legal age. And that depends on the whole 10,000 hours thing that Gladwell talks about. Like, if you've done comedy for, yeah, if you've done comedy for 10 years, you've probably done it every day, at least mentally. Um, so you're probably in your 30s or mid-20s in that sense. Yeah, it's like, it really does depend on, you know, how much time you're putting into it. It really is funny how, how much of a difference, just that repetition and continuing to do it with, with anything, but it, it extends to creative stuff, obviously, that just, even if you don't think, like, I'm going to write every day to get better, if you just go, like, I'm going to write every day as an exercise, you're going to get better. Your voice is going to get more clear. It's, it's really fascinating. Some people don't find their voices for, you know, their entire careers, and some do it on the second day. Yeah. Uh, I kind of figured out what I was doing around the ninth year, and that's when I put out my first book, um, which is called 188. And ultimately, it's a compilation of really short stories. All of them are exactly that many words long. and there oh, are that's so awesome. And there are that many of them in the book. Um, so you start these stories off that are three to 10,000 words, and you chop them down in editing because that's fun to do, especially when you can't afford an editor. That's <laughs> like, this is, oh, editing. It's like the more I edit things and I, and I do most of my own stuff. I mean, not even most, like right now I do pretty much, I do all the editing on this and I have another podcast that we just brought someone on who like wants to help. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, and they're doing it for definitely not a regular editor's budget because we just have no money right now. But yeah. as I've learned little bits about editing, uh, not just, you know, like writing is a definitely its own thing, but editing with video and audio, it's like, yeah, there's a reason good editors charge a lot. And it's because this is horrendous. Like <laughs> well, having to edit your own shit too, because it's, especially with writing, I don't know if you find this, but like, I have, it's hard to see your own errors as clearly because you're like, you're attached to the work. So you kind of, you know yeah. what it says and you'll gloss over stuff. And it it's, just it's your sweat, blood, your tears and, and emotions with it too. So that's why you actually can't edit your own stuff unless you become dispassionate towards it. And that requires you to be removed from it by, I don't know, I like to wait something like seven or eight days before I try to edit something of my own. Yeah, it does take some time to, I do that with, when I'm, you know, with pilots and stuff I write, or even jokes, yeah, you have to take a step back, because if you're too invested, you won't see all the errors, or like, you love all of it so much, you're like, how can I cut any of this? Yeah, or even just one little smidge of punctuation, you're like, what, what was I thinking? Yeah. I know 2 a.m. and I had 14, you know, drinks, but I really thought I hit it the first time, come on. It's so funny when you catch errors that you've done that I'll do it just with tweets sometimes that I'll like look at something and I'll go, really? That was, that's, that's what I wrote. Is that yeah. like that version of there or whatever? 
silly error that I normally think I'm so hyper hypercritical of. Right, but in any bound work, there's always at least one or two errors still, no matter how many times you have it through, no matter who else looks at it. I had a, a, a comedy guy that was, I was with in 2014 down in Phoenix. He wrote a book about um, motivational speaking. Wow. And it was a really good book, and he spent $8,000, on the editing process because he's like, I'm not going to do this. But it's his only book, and page 37, oh, Rick, come on. <laughs> Not pick that up. What's the? Oh, you poor you had and you, you had like five thousand copies of this thing printed at first. Oh God, so that will haunt you. <laughs> Without that proof copy, you are really screwing yourself hard financially and otherwise. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's just such a an undertaking, really. Ah. Uh, with the, so you're self-published. Did that yeah. come from, did you initially start pitching your books and stories? What, what was your path to self-publishing? Or did you just come out the gate and go like, I'm not gonna worry about getting some bigger, you know, person's approval on this to get the ball rolling. How, what was your path? It's three quarters rejection, one quarter impatience. Okay. Uh, so there's a rejection letter we don't want. There's a rejection letter we don't want. It. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, okay, cool. And you're sitting around with your friends, and you're like, well, th these guys put up ebooks, so why can't we do that? And all of a sudden, you find that Amazon's, hey, cool, you get to keep seventy percent of your thing if you price it at a certain round. That's good. And they're taking the thirty percent, and they're building more buildings for package delivery. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, all um, the eight million Amazon trucks that that are delivering all our prime packages. Well, they're, they're one half of traffic now, so bless their hearts. They, they yeah, it's, They found their publisher, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> truly. I was on the highway the other day, and it was every other truck yeah. I passed was an Amazon truck, and I was like, and I would love to say that, <laughs> I would love to be like everyone else in their consumerism, but I've slipped up and bought a few things on there too, so I'm oh, definitely please. contributing, but I'm like, what the hell are we all buying all the time? Like, what's going on? I do not eat these candy cigarettes, but I'm going to buy them anyway. Right? It's, yeah, it's like, no, I need a hat that looks like this in every color because that's an option. It's very, I'm sure it's gotten immensely worse for some people in quarantine. I know a lot of, some people, that's their kind of vice is like overspending. And it's so easy now. It's like, Man, you're just well, especially when shipping's free, if you spend like a little bit, you know. Yeah. I'm a guy that always used to take pens from banks and whatever, so I've got a few. <laughs> but these these big Atlantises, they they're cheap on Amazon, so you can get them for multi packs and for. I have lots of pens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I relate to that. I have a jar of very assorted pens, and rarely do I leave a hotel I stay at without one. If it's free, it's even better, right? I know, and I'm like, is this the writer in me? Is this just the stick it to the man person who's like, ha ha, that'll teach you to charge me extra tax for staying in this hotel? Like, the lamest rebellion. Well, you know, in 50 years, that'll be in her tombstone. It'll be Jessica and Michelle Singleton, kleptomaniac. Yeah, it's just, there's a pile of pins on top of my grave. Like and they're all dried out, and they don't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're just drained. <laughs> I hey, do. she left us these really good pilots. Let's read those. <laughs> and there's so many errors. Uh, uh, 
Wow. Okay. So you just kind of got, you know, got enough rejection letters that you were like, you know what? Other people have self-published. I'm going to roll with it. Could you tell us, tell the people listening a little bit of how that works? Is it fairly user-friendly yeah. and simple to publish? It used to be um, a little easier. It's not as much now because there's so much more competition. But, you know, what was it like 10 years ago that people decided ebooks were a thing um, and they became more popular? So, more and more and more authors. I mean, what is there on Amazon right now? Five or six million different authors. Oh, it's impressive. And I would say at least a quarter of them are putting out incredible work, at least with the covers, because y'all have the, the rate. 300 dots per inch graphics with the woman and the harem fireball and they're shooting something <laughs> and there's a school behind them and they're in their Catholic, uh, Catholic girl skirts and all that. So that's fun. But <laughs> is, is a good idea too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, anytime that you want to put a Catholic school girl in a front of a cover, I'll probably read that book anyway. <laughs> Like yeah, we get it, and I bought every single one of those. Books. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, no, but I had a buddy. I had a buddy that um, he he did a, he did an ebook and he did pretty well with it. Um, and he's a teacher down in Phoenix. He's a good guy, but he he helped me design the cover for the first edition of 188. Uh, and we we're just dicking around, drinking Coors Light, because that's what you do when you're 31 years old. Of course, um, yeah. You're an author. This is this is your Hemingway moment. <laughs> yeah, and but. Um, so we just, so we did it and he had a couple friends that were ebook authors too. It, it seemed like that was a good thing to do. And there is a community and not just on Twitter, you know, hashtag writing community. Hi. Um, but there is, there are so many ebook authors out there of all different types wow. to go in with no expectations first, of course, but they're out there and they're mostly supportive, even though they're but half of them are pretty narcissistic and they only care about their own stuff. I mean, you're going to, it's an unfortunate thing where you run into that in almost every, any, I think, creative field. That's a personality type that definitely gets attracted. So you just have to sort of. Do you have much narcissism down there in LA? I haven't heard of that. <laughs> that's hilarious. People will, give me one second. My dog is doing something again. Yeah, it's, Moki's just a, I don't know, my dog, she got, she got really sick a couple of weeks ago, I think from like a, a brand of food, which I'm currently on a very big tear about, so nobody buy party animal canned food, which should, you should know based on the name, but my bad. Yeah, screw them. But anyway, I'm like, are you listening? They're not. Ugh. Pets. It's, I like, I would never... Uh, compare having a dog to having a child as if they're the same thing. But having a dog makes me wonder how the fuck people have kids and don't lose it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, so have you met most, I mean, have you met most parents that don't know what the hell they're doing, which is most of them? Yeah. They're it, right? <laughs> it's like at a certain point, you just gotta let it go. You're like, well. It's like you think about your childhood, you know, your parents primarily knew what they were doing, but there are moments where they're like, what? And what am I supposed to do now? I know. It's like, my parents, my parents weren't even good at pretending they knew what they're doing. It's like, oh, good. Chaos. <laughs> but I guess that's how I ended up in comedy. Um. <laughs> I have a sister. She's a few years older, and it was always where 
if my dad was trying to address one of us and all four of us were in the room, he would cycle through all of our names until he hit the right one. Yep. And I know it's not, that's not unique, but it's just hilarious because... It's so funny. You're like, it's 1994, we've been a family for 13 years, and what's my name? Thanks. Yeah. Like, we're not even, it's, this, we're not even the same gender child. Our names are very different. Like, I do it with my new? dogs now. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, I, I can't even keep dogs separate. Oh, man. Um, so are you, are you doing a lot of uh, a reading there to eat up time, or what? Um, what primary thing that you're doing in L.A.? I'm staying fairly busy just because I'm a workaholic. So I have fallen off yeah. this podcast for like two, maybe three weeks. I usually do it weekly and I kind of just was in a, oh my God, what's going on slump. And then I jumped back on that and kind of hit the ground running and I'm overdoing, like I overbooked the amount of episodes just to stack them up and get myself back in gear. But I have another yeah. podcast, which yeah, it's called Two Filthy Nerds and it's, uh, we deep dive into different series that are, you know, popular right now for better or worse. It's we're midway through Harry Potter. So oh, that's, okay. been, that's been fun. I've already read the series. I've already seen all the movies. I love it. You know, and that is a JK Rowling aside, if I were to separate the art from the artist, which not everyone is happy about. But, I was going to say, I hope you hit on that topic too. Oh, we've had to, we've hit on it and we've had to re-hit on it. And we've even had people go, oh, I finally got to the episodes that you must have recorded in June. Because there were so many where, you know, until her, you know, recent blowups, we kind of just didn't make a big deal about it. And we focused 100% just on the books. Because my co-host has never read or seen any of them. So it's been a very fun dynamic of me, like, being so excited for all these things I know are coming. And she has no idea what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I no, wouldn't want to sit down with her Huh? I would want to sit down with her at Blackjack Table because she keep on doubling down until she had like 97 and didn't realize that she was completely in the mire of shit that she's in, you know? I know. It's just, it is so weird watching someone just refuse to even, I guess this maybe ties into what we're saying about narcissists being in the community, <laughs> but to almost <laughs> refuse to acknowledge what other people are saying and go even going i hear you and here's what i didn't realize or just even going oh i don't it's very it's just one of those things where like she could just not say anything more <laughs> but it was weird for her to like yes. pop back up like it's just and another thing <laughs> it's, like, it's not about how much money that you have either or how much weight that you have in the world but you're doing things on a social media that people are going to not understand, even if you actually are being 95% terrible and 5% empathetic. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of off-putting. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And it's like, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, I guess like she'll reap what she sows. And then there is the, you know, the, moral and ethical part of me you know that's like well do we just completely stop in the middle of what we're doing because of this woman or uh and we you know we discuss this and we're like or do we continue to go through the series but constantly bring up that conversation and uh and find other ways to support you know the the affected groups you know trans women of course obviously is the the one 
being targeted by what, what yeah. you're saying. But so we're like now working on like merchandise that we're going to put out where we can give proceeds to uh, organizations that uplift that community. And so it's, it's uh, you know, it's definitely not, we're not heroes and there's probably problematic things with it, but we're like, okay, what can we do to at least counterbalance because, do a little bit you know yeah and you see know it, see if it breeds into a wildfire exactly and like I, it's one of those things where until it i never even understood the and i mean this is not a great statement but i never under even st- understood the like separate from the art from the artist like i was like you, you can't until i was like oh but wait it's a thing i love well what and it's and it's like, oh no, what am I doing? But uh, it has, what I like is that we, it's, it's opened up the conversation for us. And I think we've explored some things in there that uh, have helped us learn and uh, helped us, you know, maybe raise awareness with some of the people who were listening. Because I don't, it's, there's so many people who, are disconnected that like yeah, even bringing up the jk rowling stuff we had listeners that were like i didn't know that was going on and it's like oh well yeah it's that happened <laughs> and it's um, happening too i mean we're all in this moment in history where there are so many things being thrown at us and that we're throwing out um hopefully that we're going to throw something big out in november but maybe we can talk about that later oh yeah you do break the art from the artist if you want to have any enjoyment in their art. Like, I can read L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> I can appreciate it. But the moment I try to think about what that guy did in his life and all the things he did in the last, I don't know, last 30 years with the Sea Org and Dianetics and uh, Scientology, it's yeah. it's tougher to jump back into Battlefield Earth, you know? Yeah, it's so, it, it's almost the thing where, like, and, and I don't know how much of it maybe is that, uh, is a, maybe a, I don't want to say red flag, but. Uh, it's an indicator, a, yeah. Yeah, an indicator, thank you. Gosh, not enough coffee. Um, an indicator that maybe right. we need to examine how we, uh, celebrity culture and how we put people on pedestals, where it's like, would this be a problem if we weren't uplifting, if we just like took the works for what they were and we, didn't make a big deal about the author, but then it's like, well, why, you know, in a normal circumstance, why wouldn't you celebrate this talented person in the, until you celebrate the talent? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then, was, but then you can't exactly try to become Kanye West's friend because what are you going to get with that? Well, he's going through some shit right now. Oh yeah. Some big shit. Hopefully it all turns out great, but good Lord, it's on display. I mean, it truly is, and it's like, and and maybe the only reason it will get addressed is because he's in such a, it, it's like maybe the silver lining is having a celebrity at that level go through something like this so publicly will oh, finally open up the dialogue about mental health to a place where there can be action taken to really make some changes in in all of our mental health care, but especially like there's a lot of stigmas in the black community and uh and, and just around mental health in general. So that's my hope is that it's like, hopefully the, this can be used in, as an example, sort of in a positive way. 
where where it can be like you know what to look for or how to address when you're going through whatever he's going through unless you're in the room you just don't know all the things that may be happening with someone's mind exactly and, and their their typical makeup yeah and even when you're in the room it's like so many of us it's just human nature to make assumptions about somebody's mind based on our own based on our experience yeah because it's easy and we can just shove them off and dismiss it yeah and it's i think it's very hard for people to really grasp that uh, other minds work differently from theirs as silly as it's as as an easy of a as easy of a concept jesus as easy of a concept as that sounds like there are, I mean, I, I feel like I've had moments where I've had to really think about like, why does someone see this so differently than me? Because they've had such a different experience, but some things that we think yeah. are obvious or universal truths are just kind of like social years to come to that yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Absolutely. And you think about sometimes you have to really zoom out and I didn't understand this until a few years ago when I was getting divorced, but you have to zoom out so much that you have to see more angles, definitely. Not all of them, because you never see all of them. But yes. you have enough angles to get past to the next situation with yes. person. Or if you're trying to get, you know, if you're trying to move or something, that's different. But you have to throw. You have to almost be over empathetic, even if you don't want to be, because you're being smacked down, or you're just your tunnel vision into. I want to get this, and I want to get this over with, or I want to strive to this pinnacle this summit i want to climb the mountain i want to get to k2 yes. but yeah it can take weeks and it can take years to get to that point um absolutely even if you're just like so bored with the interim and i'm not going anywhere yeah but, and it's hard when you're in it it's easier either looking back or seeing someone else in the situation being an outside observer so to speak it's easier to recognize all that when you're in it and I mean, that's any creative field, as I'm sure you know, feels, you know, from day to day can feel very up and down. And it's like, oh my God, my book is out. People are liking it. And then two days later, you're like, well, what next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for that high, but this low isn't any good. Yeah, where you're like, oh, that did not make me happy forever for the rest of my life. Well, shit. <laughs> it's the theory of moderation that you want to strive to because, yeah, highs are nice. Yeah, lows are okay. And experience is, is a wonderful thing to have. So if you kind of keep on, an, on on a more even keel, and I'm not even close to it, but I'm trying to get there, um, it, it is more enjoyable as far as like the zoom out perspective on, yes, and I did write a whole book in three months. Yeah. Hey, let's do it again. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, having that perspective of, oh, I've done this, I could do it again, or like, let's dive back into another project. Uh, I mean... I don't have to drive to the beach 17 times to get a better perspective. It's just yeah. there now. Yeah, I can just like unleash what's inside of me and put it down on the paper and go from there. Gosh, it's... I've been in Portland for like six years and I've driven to the beach, it's about 70 miles away from where I live, um, about 30 times. Nice. Most, of them, most of it's just to get out of town because it's like super hot. It's yeah. 9,500 degrees. We're a bunch of wusses. Um, <laughs> but there's something about the North Pacific water on the sandy white beaches and seaside in your Cannon Beach in Oregon. 
Um, you, I have not found it anywhere else in this country or Canada. Uh, I hope to go to other countries too when we're available to do it. Yeah. When our passports start working again upon our presence. Yeah. Oh, you know, in 2025. Um, that was a weird time. Sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> no, is that, is the beach like your happy place? Is that what like inspires you? Do you feel like? Yes. Yes. It's calming presence. And if I could put it into a jar and take it with me everywhere, I would. But that's the thing about a beach is you can't do it. No, it's, that's what makes it so beach. magical. And I can say the same thing about the Santa Monica Pier or the shores of Malibu or even down to Huntington Beach for a lesser extent. Because that's a dirty... Anyway, um, <laughs> it's still a beach. It's still a Pacific Ocean. And it's, it's, there's nothing like it. Well, absolutely. And if, and if that's what kind of brings you to life, I feel like everyone has their own... Uh, own things that sort of bring them to life or re-energize them. I'm very big about taking like a trip to the desert. I have a weird desert thing. I like to go like once a year and it's, there's just nothing well, like it. Well, like the Joshua Tree or Arizona? Oh yeah, Joshua Tree. That's, I'm headed there like in two weeks too. My birthday's coming up. Oh, nice. It'll be my anniversary and I'm just ready to be, I, I like, I think what I like about it is the lack of light pollution. I'm a big fan of like looking up at the sky and very into stars. Isn't that, um, isn't that great out there in, in the Sonoran Desert? That so you can see stuff at night, even though it's pitch black otherwise. Yeah. It's, to me, there's nothing like that. And so I, the beach has never really done anything for me, but I've always thought that there's something wrong with my brain because of that. It's like, Oh, obviously, you know, you're mentally deranged. Yeah, but, um, obviously no. a lunatic. <laughs> um, we, we all have our there's, Well, yeah, and, and my uncle, my, oh, my uncle, my cousin Paul, he's a few years older than I am, and he, he got a few bucks uh, about this time last year. He bought a little plot in Eli, Minnesota, right? So he's got this huge Midwestern, Southern Canadian night sky above him with Nothing happening but the Aurora Borealis. He's got uh, shooting comets. And he's a photographer, so he takes these great photos. Oh, my God, that's incredible. Time. Yeah. The, I, used to, I'm, I grew up in Alaska. And the Aurora Borealis is like, there's nothing like it. It's, that's the oh, Okay, that's great. From there. Yeah, no, it's to have access to that and be able to put it into your creativity. I felt so great. I'm glad he gets to do that. That's incredible. Which part of Alaska? Anchorage. So it's like, you know, the quote big city, which I thought was a big city until I moved to a big city. And I was like, boy, it's really more of a big town. It feels like. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a vibe. <laughs> okay. And, and did you move to LA like in your 20s or? Yeah, in my 20s. I went from, I. I graduated high school when I was 17. I went to school in Florida because I was like, well, what is as trashy as the people I meet? <laughs> and I say that- Where can I get the same kind of mess? Yeah, yeah, no, it's like with all the love in the world, we were definitely some sort of like, just kind of like down home, good old boy and girl just drinking our beer and listening to music in a truck types, you know, for, okay. for better or worse or whatever. But so it's definitely been an evolution for me. <laughs> There are some cool people in Florida, though. Oh, I mean, you can meet some interesting... It's so funny, because the news makes it look yeah. like every single person is 
like eating like meth covered in poop and it's like yeah no it's i mean there are florida quote people but i've also met some really cool uh cool people from there there's some some good scenes there i feel like you know in pockets but yeah you definitely do get a lot of uh well, I mean, there's cool people every town, but like Tampa's a cool town. Orlando's got some some pretty cool places. Yeah, Orlando's got a lot of cool stuff. I went to school in Tampa, and I mean, we had a blast, and it was a very diverse oh, campus. Yeah. And one of my best friends lives in Orlando now, and she's it. It seems like she's in this pocket of people. Uh, there's like just seems like to be a progressive kind of either I don't know if it's like an underground or just the people she's with or. Orlando's a more progressive city. I feel like every state has their Portland, you know, <laughs> where like uh, there's always one city that's way more liberal than the rest in, in the rest. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and Portland wasn't even the original, you know, Portland uh, uh, city. It was, it was Austin. We still Austin, yeah, yeah, Keep Austin weird from that, and they kind of like, well, let's do this up here in the Northwest. Let's, let's fun. Like, yay, <laughs> craft beer and and civil rights for everyone and people are like, in donuts why not what a, what a bunch of wacky people yeah oh voodoo donuts so good um i'm sorry you mean tourist donuts there's other places Let's are there yeah i mean yeah no i'm a basic bitch i've been i've been to bridgetown <laughs> i don't know if people in portland ever say that um i've been there like twice for comedy festivals and it was no, Bridgetown Comedy Fest is great, yeah. Oh, so fun. I miss it. Take me back. Um, you did the same show with, uh, like, Curtis Cook one time, didn't you? I think so, yeah. He's great. Uh, so great. So um, I, yeah, I really hope that comes back soon, but, you know, can't, you can't be impatient about this because you can't control it. And that's oh. what that's what being creative is. It's like, here's my world. I'm your god. You're going to do what I want. Um, so yeah. it's... Impatience can get the best of you. Absolutely, and it's like if you can get to that point where you can kind of just let things flow or go with how they're going instead of trying to resist or work against whatever's going on, it usually ends up better. But that in itself is an art, in my opinion. Yeah, Uh, I grew up in the Eastern Valley of of Phoenix, Mm -hmm. so after high school, it was like I grew up around a primarily uh, LDS. And Catholic upbringing. I wasn't either of them because LDS Latter Day Saints Mormons. That's what you're saying. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, you know, clarify for listeners. Totally. Um, some of the nicest people in the world, but you, if you don't believe most of what they believe, um, you're gonna be an outlier. Yeah, you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> well, there's and there's and there's four levels of hell in the Mormon world, and you don't want to. Oh, Anyways. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's an experience once you get out of high school, going into college, I went to Arizona State University and everything just, doors unlocked and you meet people and you're like, I can't believe you can say that in public. This is great. Yeah. You you, is that not everything right. is taboo? Yeah. It's, it's opens your, yeah, that's, college is great for expanding your mind. College and just traveling in general is like, oh, there's so much to the world that until you get out of your little bubble, I mean, there's so many things that I probably would look back now, I can't even think of them, that I would go like, if I saw me as a teenager in high school, I'd be like, ugh, you're, why? 
you're so dumb. Yeah. Why do you, why you'd want to smack that person, right? Yeah. Like, why, why did you do that? Yeah. Uh, Which, there's, sorry, go ahead. Well, there's a movie uh, that Josh Radnor made called Happy Think You Were, Please, about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And that, that's in the movie. He's like, look at the person you were five years ago and realize you were an asshole comparatively to now. Yeah. Well, that um, into like, I have that thought about when people try to cancel, like, yeah, not cancel, but people try to take down people for old tweets or old posts. It's like, yeah, you should have forethought to go, this isn't a thing I should put out on the internet but it's interesting to me because people grow so rapidly that i think it would be nice to see more a little more room for conversation in situations like that about how a person has grown or what they've learned or yeah because those those people just want to attack and you know if it was kevin hart that said something in 2009 about a gay kid you know maybe zoom out a bit and try to understand that he was making that joke and you know it's a text-based meeting, so you don't understand the inflections of what he was trying to say. Plus, you're just an asshole behind a keyboard, and you're trying to take someone down that's much bigger than you, so you can get extra retweets. Yeah, so that, like, oh yeah, when people pile on, it's so interesting just observing that and going like, oh, there are so many people I consider my friends that were I to be in that position would immediately throw me under the bus in hopes that they get a viral tweet. And it's like, and as much as I think that, you know, uh, negative or, uh, you know, hate speech should be addressed and uh, obviously, I don't want to say, I don't even want to say punished, but like addressed and discussed about like why this is not okay, who it's hurting, even if someone, you know, doesn't realize the the depth of how their words can affect someone. I think that conversation is important, but this, yeah, that culture of like, let's just take them all down is, I don't feel any better about that. I'm like, oh, that's, no. Why is That's that thing, in your is heart? You, you don't feel better about that at the end of the day. And even people that you may vehemently disagree with, like Megan Kelly, when yeah. she chimes in again about something, you're like, well, you lost your job because of this. You were stupid. And yeah. even a couple years later, I think it would still be a good idea if she sat around uh, a panel with people that are not her, that are yeah. not very snoozy, or, or even with um, certain parts of NBC now. If she could just listen and get in the dialogue, I mean, she could be likable eventually. But yeah. she doesn't even goddamn try. That's what I always wonder. And I'm like, that must just, it must maybe be a personality type. Maybe it ties into like narcissism or being too ego driven or maybe it's pride. But I wonder why you don't see more of, or it seems like almost any of these personalities who kind of get taken down at that level going, you know what? I'm going to publicly examine myself and I'm going to learn and I'm going to see if I can see why people are so angry. Like that there hasn't really been anyone to do that as far as I know is it's surprising. And people like her, she'll write more books and she'll have a show eventually somewhere else. And she's got a hundred million dollars sitting somewhere because she she got bought out of the contract. So, So she's fine. Maybe, maybe, Maybe she'll never do the things that we all want her to do, um, but it kind of goes back to what Larry David used to say, sometimes you just can't leave your house. <laughs> ah, good old Larry. And now, and now you definitely can't leave your house. Yeah, now none of us can leave our house, so what a time to be alive. I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, let me ask you, okay, I have a, a couple more questions pertaining to like your creative process. Do you have any rituals? Like if you can't get to the beach, obviously the beach is like, you feel very inspired there. Do you have any steps? Do you have any uh, things you would like to do to kind of get the ball rolling in your mind as far as creativity or does it just come when it comes? I mean, that's half of it. It does help to take my dog on a walk. It does help to get 5,000 steps in to have some of those natural endorphins running. Um, it does help sometimes jump up at 4 a.m. before all that, have a Diet Coke, and then Hell just, yeah. just get writing. You know, it, Diet Coke's not the best thing for you ever. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, however, it's delicious and it works. Ah, uh, God, so relatable. <laughs> Diet Coke is one of my favorite things. I'm trying to like cut back on it now because I'm trying to be yeah. for my immune system and stuff. And I'm like, in, in moderation and you want to have your teeth in 10 years. So that's fine too. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so it just kind of ebbs and flows. That's, I feel like that's probably the case for so many creatives. Uh, I want to talk about, so you have a new book. Well, the part one of your book came out earlier this year, but then, yeah. You, have, you have this book, it's a satire called This Was the Beginning, and um... I love how you said it, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I've like had to like make sure to inflect the question mark. Um, this is a, a satire about the beginning of humanity. Yeah, it's the book of Genesis, but done in verse by verse, uh, smart-assy type of uh, different perspective of how creation happened. How silly it is. I love that. What what inspired this? Um, kind of how I grew up. It's that Bible thumping. I don't call it mean, but Bible um, intensity. Yes. Uh, was, was Bible a, loving. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is the book that some people, that's the only book they've ever read. They don't, and, they, and they think it's out like there. fact. Everything in there, which is it's literal. Yes, Leviticus eighteen two is literal. Um, <sighs> but how about it's not, and it was not written by who you think it's written by? Because let's think about the genesis of that. <laughs> uh, David David Cross stole the idea, and he's like, "Well, who did? Who wrote the Bible? Well, it wasn't Jesus? It wasn't Moses? And it certainly wasn't whatever they think that God was back then, two thousand years ago." Um, these are orally told stories yeah. many generations later. And then they're, they're going through the filter of um, the, the middle ages. They're going yeah. through the filter of King James's people. Yeah. New international versions. And then you have all these different things that say, well, they make the Bible become different things. So. Yeah. I mean, the Catholics uh, just cut out whole books from the Bible. They're like, ah, nobody needs to read Thomas or whatever. It's like. I mean, what a piece of shit book that. Yeah, but why would you take it out? If, if it's about learning and becoming one with the religion, why would you want to do that? Give them all of it and let them make their own choice. But that's not what religion is. It's no, not it's, it's a way to control. Like, I'm, I'm someone who, as eye-rolling as it sounds, I went through a period of being, like, pretty staunch atheist. But I would say I'm, like, spiritual but not religious. Like, oh, I think they were all connected or, like, love, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, okay. yeah. The institution of religion is, like, a control device, in my opinion. It's, it's like, rules to make people feel complacent with I don't even know. 
so the book is is a three part deconstruction of all fifty chapters of Genesis. Wow. And you know, I was going to do the entire Bible ten years ago, but that's too much work. Because then I read Genesis, and I was like, I can't get through this. A lot of <laughs> God. Um, so it's verse by verse, and it's really fun to just it's to, it's great to deconstruct and throw in a, a different perspective while trying to understand what the original author, whoever it was, was trying to say. Yeah, like, what was the point of this? Yeah. Tell a story, but don't make me believe that Noah was 600 years old. That's just past credulity. Yeah, I know. It's just like, was he just really old? And someone's like, oh, he's like ancient. It's just some young kid. And like, oh, he's like 600 years old. And like, he's 40. <laughs> he's just kind of old for... The village. He just hasn't moisturized. Come on. Yeah, he's a busy man. <laughs> well, the oldest guy in uh, in the book of Genesis, I don't remember his name, but he was like 905 when he died. And I swear, let's just really think about that. How low are your balls hanging at that point if you're 900 years old? I mean, they're in the earth. They're just dragging. That's how every river was made, that man walking around. There's not enough jurgens in the world to fix that problem. My God. I also am like, was, did they just measure years differently then? I don't understand. Well, they had cubits back then, so you have to think that they probably did. Maybe a year was like, I don't know, 10 days? One Scaramucci? Hard to say. <laughs> ah, that's so cool. Um, and so, you're, you, so you were saying this before, but you grew up Surrounded by religious people, but your family wasn't. Not really, no. I mean, my mom took us to a, a, a Methodist preschool and a Methodist church up until we were like eight or nine years old, me and my sister. And okay. then she's like, do you want to do this on Sunday or do you want to mow the lawn? It's like, I'll, I'll just mow the lawn chill out, you know. <laughs> right here. However, the preschool that I went to, Grace United Methodist in Mesa, Arizona, boy, there's some cool people there. They, they get it. I love that. They didn't lay it on too thick, and they helped me count to 111 by the time I was four years old. So, great! That's what I should be learning. Yeah. As much secularism as you can inject, maybe have a little Jesus, that's fine. He had some good ideas. Yeah. Well, because he didn't say much. But, I mean, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, I like that. Well, that's what I've always felt about, like, from what I've learned of religion, or especially Christianity growing up in like a lazy Catholic household is that it's like, yeah, I feel like, you know, there's ways to look at all the things that, you know, come from Jesus that are like good moral life lessons. We could just give that to people and not have to go through the rest of it and make it so. And if there were more Christians that were Christ-like, yes. I really think a much better trajectory. Yeah, it's just like, I can't, like, how embarrassing to be Jesus <laughs> and come back and everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm like, I'm a Christian. And you're like, you? The, the, you, the guy who hates everybody? You think that, like, that's what, hey, good. You know, he'd be out there protesting. He'd be like, what the fuck happened to George Floyd? I will be right there with you at four o'clock in the afternoon at the square. Yeah, I mean, people don't think about that shit. It's all, and it's all in the Bible if you read it, but I guess, you know. Why would you want to read that part anyways, right? No, it doesn't serve your narrative, so why would you? Uh, I um, <laughs> I love that you made this book. I, on more than one occasion, have sat down and tried to, like, tried to just read the Bible to go, 
I'm going to read this thing front to back. And maybe I should just take a bunch of Adderall. <laughs> I don't know. But like, just, like I, I, I'm so curious to, to read all of it, to try to wrap my mind around where some of these people's perspective comes from. But, oh boy, just... I can't get through Genesis. <laughs> little little bits at a time. I mean, it took me a few years to get my mind around Genesis as what it was trying to say. Um, and that was about the time where Jason Siegel, the actor, he was doing um, David Foster Wallace in that movie at the end of the tour, right? So he had to read Infinite Jest. And Infinite Jest is a four-pound book that is 1,100 pages long, right? So he's like, yeah. need to understand this book. So he read it in 100-page 100 100 clusters over the span of a couple months, and that's about the speed that you can go. And if, boy, if you can understand that book, you're doing something right in the world. Um, yeah, I have that on my shelf, and it's... But you can't do it all at once, because no. I don't think any human mind, I don't care if IQ is 200, or if it's Sarah Palin, you're not going to be able to understand <laughs> it. No, it's too much information, and our, our brains are only designed for so much, which is... I think why the internet is making a lot of people like fucked up because we're consuming more than we can, than we're built to handle, whether we like it or not. You know, it's you get it, yeah. Oh yeah, so much. Um, when is the so this is a three part series? When does the rest release? So first part came out. Oh, I threw it out in March. Release date. That was back in. Um, second part comes out July thirty first <gasps> next week. I'm um, going to have it up on ohpfbookstore.com. Perfect. And um, the third part I'm going to put out in the middle of October sometime, but it, it goes in tandem with a couple of the writing projects. So things are ironed in the fire and you try to manage that too. So um, by the end of the year, all three parts will be uh, definitely available awesome. in their, in their final form. That's so great. Yeah. Um, and it's it's fun to write comedy too. Oh, I mean, yeah. When it works. I love. I mean, comedy is my jam. I am constantly looking for more ways to put it out there, especially now that I don't have my my stage time. Ah, it's killing me. No, right? And that's the thing about comedy is it doesn't have to work all the time because otherwise. And someone else said this on Twitter a couple days ago. They said it's not called accuracy. It's called comedy. <laughs> that's. So if, it, so if it works a little bit, then hopefully you're throwing good things out into the world. And I'm not being too critical of anybody's religion because that's not what, you know, satire is. Um, oh, yeah. It's just trying to have a little fun with it because some people take it too damn serious. Too seriously. So it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, British comics and British people all the time use the phrase, like, take the piss out of something. And I think oh, that yeah. that's a great... I just love that phrase for something like this, where it's like, yeah, we're just lightening it up. Like, just fucking relax. Like, nothing heard, is that serious. I heard that phrase when I was 11, and I thought that it had to, it had to deal with the displacement of someone's era. And I was like, <laughs> that can't be right. But why are they still funny and they're laughing while they're saying it? So something's got to be onto this. <laughs> I love uh, thinking back to things that I didn't have the context for or took literally. And I was like, I don't, I, this is a serious issue. I don't understand why we're glossing over it. Well, um, and it's like you, you read, Mark, like you read Mark Twain now compared to when you read it in, in, when you're 10 years old and you're like, wow, people really did think a bunch of different things back then. And still 
It's kind of world, and it sucks. Do you have any, are there any authors that uh, inspired you to get into the field on that note? Well, that concludes the free hour of my Drew Flynn episode. You want to hear the rest? It's 30 plus minutes, somewhere between 30 and 40. You want to find out who his favorite authors are and more about how he got into his writing career and started publishing and selling his works? Head over to patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. The full, completely uncensored episode is over there for patrons only. And we have other cool bonus content just for you guys. And I certainly appreciate your support. Big, big thank you to John, Eric, Gene, Greg, Kathy, Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots on Patreon. You keep these episodes flowing and you keep me sane. And I am excited to see you guys this Wednesday. Anyway, in our next crappy hour hang and other lots of cool stuff. So clearly I'm disorganized. But you guys know I'll be there when we do it. And I'd love to have more people join us for our crazy conversations and for other bonus content. Blah, 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 blah. Have I plugged my Patreon enough? I don't know. I still don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. God help me. Everyone wear a fucking mask so we can get out of this goddamn... Goddamn... Goddamn pandemic. I'm not editing this, you guys. It's... I'm too... I don't know. I don't even have a word for what I am right now. If you like the podcast, you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes. Share it with your friends because everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. If you listened and you thought, actually, not for me. I don't know why you'd still be listening to this part, but I would love if I could ask you to start a couple more episodes and check them out. Maybe look for topics that are things you're specifically interested in because, in my opinion, this podcast varies significantly from guest to guest. So I think there's a little bit of something for everybody. And I would appreciate uh, your full consideration. I know that's not a thing any of us like to do these days. It's sort of like read the headline and fuck off if I disagree with it. But um, I would like you to uh, stretch your cognitive abilities to consider other things like my podcast. Anyway, this feels sad. Where do I, what have I left out? Oh, yes, of course. Please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. If you have additional questions for Drew, or you have a topic you'd like covered, a guest you'd like to suggest, head over to Facebook and join the Facebook group, Ignorance is Hashtag Blessed Idiots. You can share your ideas there. That's the best way to get them to me. That's where I see them the most. And uh, there's some fun memes going on. Start a conversation about something that, you know, maybe you don't see eye to eye with everyone about, but you want to have a civil discourse. We're all about it over there. Get over there. Keep giving suggestions. Keep asking questions. Because the more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? <laughs> oh, thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.